Welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony. Well, if this is your first time listening to this show, well, thank you very much. And if you are a repeat listener, well, then I also want to say thank you for coming back and listening to each and every show. Please don't forget to visit my website when you get a chance, libertyonfire.org, where you can get the podcast directly over the internet and links to support pages for the show to help keep the lights on and for some of the products that I'm going to recommend who I happen to be an affiliate marketer for. So if you want to support the show and you're interested in some of the products that I'm helping to promote, then go to my website and either make a donation on the Patreon page, which of course will also be in the show notes, or check out some of the products I'm advertising and see what you think. But remember to click on it through my link at my website or through the show notes. If you are a social media person, well then you can also check me out on Twitter at LOF Podcast. So that's L-O-F Podcast. And please don't forget to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever medium you're using to download and listen to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Hey, Joey. Welcome back to the Liberty on Fire podcast. How are you doing? Pretty good, Tony. Thanks for uh, having me back on. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. Are you in lockdown central or are things kind of open back up where you are? Uh, things have the option to open back up, but for some reason, they're just not really open like a lot of companies are choosing not to i think i think if you have the 20 percent capacity thing I, I think uh people are realizing it doesn't you know work out for them and and their employees as much yeah i i, th I think a lot of people are actually kind of scared to right. go to restaurants go to parks uh, go to the movies and things like that go maybe some people go get their hair done and get a quick bite or something but sitting down for a long meal at a restaurant with a bunch of strangers and nobody wearing masks, it just feels probably a little too scary for some people at the moment because there is so much fear put out there by the media over this virus. So it, I think it's going to take a while for people to bounce back. And also, I mean, if you're a low-income worker, right, and the mm. government is paying you probably more now than you were making before, so they're in, exactly. they're in effect in effect paying you more money to stay home and not go back to work. Exactly, yeah. And some people, like business, some business owners, are saying if they could bring a couple people in, um, but you know the the cost of of the that kind of food that they need and 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 I, I, when they do all the calculations and having people on for just a few hours, but when they could be making more anyway from the government, it's just not working out the whole twenty percent thing. So, and then like you said, yeah, people are just afraid because the media had made this, the media really spun this thing like crazy. Like, I think the de the death rate now is like below, you know, 0.5%. The thing is with the death rate is the way that everybody, or not everybody, but the way government and some of those people in the media were counting it was completely wrong. Right. And it, it's very unlikely that we're actually going to know the real death rate probably for a couple of years because... You got to go back and get enough, uh, I guess, data of people who tested positive and all the extrapolations of all the possible antibody testing coming up to see who probably had it and had no symptoms or very mild symptoms and thought it was something else. I mean, it's going to take, uh, you know, the medical community and the government years to probably compile all that to really go back and be like, okay, this is how many 
patients uh, died, and then this is how many millions of people actually had the coronavirus. And so, yeah, it'll take them a long time to actually give you a real death rate. Right now, it's all speculations, but I, I was in the beginning of the speculating crowd thinking that the death rate was still going to be pretty low. And I think that's panning out. Yeah, and the fear of overcrowded hospitals seems to be, you know, something that didn't take place or that didn't happen. Yeah, it seems like the only spot in the U.S. that actually had uh, a little bit of an issue was New York City. And not, not the entire state, for sure, just the city. And even New Jersey had a bunch of cases, but I, as far as I know, I don't think their system was overwhelmed by their cases. It was pretty much just, you know, in and around the boroughs of uh, Manhattan. And, yeah, uh, the rest of the country has fared pretty well. Yeah, it was pretty much a, a New York and Manhattan problem, not a America problem, which is kind of just ridiculous. So I, I wanted to go run in a park last week, and it's closed because of this virus. I can't run in a park. The park's for running and bike riding. Yeah, it's weird because even in California, at least where I am in northern Cali, I mean, we go to parks and they have signs up, but people just disregard it and they just go to the park and play anyway. And people go on hiking trails and um, the trails are supposed to be not off limits now at this point. I think he's rolled back some restrictions, but they used to be. But people went anyway and and so did I. It was just... It just, it just seemed, something seemed really wrong about stay in your house, you can't go anywhere except to go get food. So you can go get food, but you're, there, you're more likely to potentially contract the virus at a you know, grocery store than you are out hiking on a, or on a field or, you know, or whatever, playing tennis or going for a bike ride. I mean, it's, the rules that these uh, governors put in place are just ridiculous. But I, I don't want to spend the entire time on the virus because I've done a bunch of podcasts on it. I kind of want to get into uh, Michael Flynn and talk about what happened with him. And my just kind of really quick summary on Flynn, because I think you're going to give us some more details, was that, you know, this ex, you know, three-star general was, for some reason, we can get into the reasons later, he was targeted by whoever in the Obama administration and the FBI, and he ended up pleading guilty to lying to the FBI because they were kind of twisting the screws or the knife in his back, uh, threatening to go after his son, but otherwise they really had nothing on him, and many people knew this from the beginning, but they refused, you know, they were only a handful of people in the media on Fox and stuff that were talking about it in the podcast that knew Flynn was innocent from the beginning. And now you have all this more evidence being dropped on us that, oh yeah, it, it really looks like the FBI just completely set him up. So now I'm going to hand it off to you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know where to come in totally. I mean, it's it's... That is the only bit of news that we've had since the virus, so it's kind of like, hey, we got some more entertainment. But uh, yeah, the FBI notes were found. And first of all, where I'm thinking, why wasn't this stuff found during the Mueller investigation? Like, I, I don't understand that. Maybe I'm missing something. But how's that guy have two years and, and like thirty million dollars worth of resources, and we're not, we're just hearing this now. We didn't hear any of this come out. But yeah, they, 
the uh, Justice Department found, I guess, handwritten notes from the FBI um, talking about what their plot was really and their real intention. Because remember, when they when they first talked to the interviewed this guy, you know, and we, like you said, we're going to get into maybe some of why they were trying to target him. But they first interviewed him, and it was sort of like they were saying, uh, we have to just detect if there's any you know, Russian collusion that Mike Flynn might have been involved in. Just uh, So we're going to interview him, you know, as, as he was the incoming national security advisor for Trump. All right, he, and he had a call with the Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak. But as the incoming national security advisor, it's not illegal for him to talk to this guy, you know, whatever they were talking about, I think like sanctions on Israel. You know, so the FBI went to talk to him and they were kind of telling him, don't worry, we're not really investigating you per se. But they um, they asked him if they talked to Kislyak and he, and he told him no, because uh, it, they were kind of threatening him that if he talked to Kislyak, he, he might have violated the Logan Act. Correct. You mentioned they were twisting his arm about the sun and they, they were also talking about the Logan Act that he may be in violation of, which is some like, I guess, nearly 200 year old piece of legislation that's. Uh, apparently overwhelmingly by uh, constitutional scholars believed to be um, illegal in the first place, you know, uh, constitutionally not legal. But it's basically something where if American citizen, you know, they can't carry out their own foreign policy. But uh, as as this, the national security advisor to Trump coming in, you know, that's not illegal to do. He was he's able to talk foreign policy. So the only thing he really did wrong is lie to the FBI about talking. So then it comes out, though that in these notes that the FBI had, you know, and like I said, they originally said they were just talking about uh, Russian collusion. Um, in their notes, the real reasons were to nail him on the Logan Act or to catch him in a lie or perjury trap. And, and that, that was the goal of the FBI. It was, what do we want to do here? Do we want to, do we want to get him on the Logan Act? Do we want to catch him in perjury? So they, the, basically the government, you know, at the time, didn't like Michael Flynn for whatever reasons that maybe you'll mention. And they wanted to catch him in something before there was an actual crime, and they'll just make up the crime later. It's kind of what it's looking like was happening by the FBI, by our own government. And um, do you have some reasons on why this might have? Do you want to comment on any of that or come in and say uh, why this happened in the first place to Flynn? Well, I guess for me, it's, it's kind of all still speculation. But the, some of the ideas mm. that kind of make sense were that, so Flynn was, he, he was one of the, you know, kind of deep state people in with the Obama administration. You know, he's a three-star general. Of course, he's going to, you know, be heavily involved in intelligence or the military industrial complex and stuff. So, yeah, he, for some reason or one reason or another, he did not like the Iran deal that Obama signed. Not sure mm. why. Um, maybe he's one of those kind of warmongering type people that didn't like Iran, or uh, maybe he felt like the deal wasn't strong enough, or for whatever reason, he was against Obama on that. And I also heard that he wanted to depoliticize the, uh, I guess, the intelligence community, that it was being used possibly as a weapon against political opponents. And I, th I think we've seen plenty of evidence of that now, right, against Trump. Um, and I think one more thing, he knew for a fact, at least he, sh and he should have had evidence of this, right, because he was basically in the whole intelligence community, that he knew for a fact that there was no collusion of Trump or the Trump campaign with Russians. 
And him coming in as the national security advisor for Trump, he would have known that that was all bullshit and would have been able to push back on that. He would have known who would have had to have been floating that story and pushing it. And he would have been, I guess, uh, really involved with uh, fighting it, destroying that whole narrative right from the beginning. So you never would have had this whole three-year bogus investigation of trying to destroy the Trump presidency. So you know, Flynn would have stopped it in its tracks right from the beginning. And other than those three reasons, maybe there's others, I, I can't really think of anything else. Can you? No, I think those are, are, are like you said, it's a, it's a lot of speculation, but the, not it doesn't seem to be like um, non-factual speculation. This all seems to be kind of true stuff. And um, I would just say that well, from what I've read, he, he was really riling up, you know, when, in, when he was when he had his position under Obama in 2013, and I think it was as the director of defense intelligence agency, towards the end of Obama's turn, he was really kind of getting on on them about the intelligence and CIA specifically about, you know, how they were handling things in uh, foreign policy. Like he, he was not a fan of, of the intelligence coming in and dictating what they do in Afghanistan and, and in the Mideast. And he, and he was starting to become noisy about that. And he actually, at one point, wanted to carry out an audit of the um, of the CIA for all the sort of covert funding, uh, covert operation funding that goes on there. So he, he was making a lot of noise. He was becoming very critical of our government's Central Intelligence Agency. He uh, seemed to want ex- to expose a lot of failures in the Mideast, um, you know, as a direct result of the intelligence we're getting from the government and not from what we're seeing on the ground there. That that's sort of what I was reading. Uh, along and, and as well as what you said about m- maybe putting the kibosh on on some of the on the Trump stuff. So I don't know. From from what I'm seeing is Michael Flynn was someone they didn't want in there, you know, and, and they didn't like they from back in the day, and they didn't want him in the in the regime. So it was just kind of it, it looks to me like deep state sort of stuff of how can we um, get this guy out of the picture. I mean, they went full court press right at Mike Flynn, and enough right. to the point where. It's like if they catch him on some sort of tiny little lie or something, they can accuse him. And then they actually had to threaten his son in order to get him to admit he was guilty because he knew he wasn't guilty. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's really nasty, nasty stuff by the most powerful police agency in the world, right, the FBI. And, and the thing that we didn't really talk about, or I don't think we brought up yet, was how the investigation you know, was, was supposed to be closed out in the first place because— it originally started as a, a counterintelligence investigation, you know, related to the the campaign coming in. But in in that December, they had the, their team looking into it was was closing the case, and they determined that they found nothing to justify continuing uh, with the investigation in, against Flynn. But on the on the same day they were about to close it, they prepared the final papers and everything. What they refer to as the seventh floor. I don't know if you've heard that term. Uh, that's like the director's office. It's like Comey himself. He sent word down that they should keep it open so that they could try and, and go and question Flynn about the phone call he had with the Russian ambassador. But that and th- this is why they were exonerated uh, or Flynn was exonerated in the first place because Barr was saying, you know, that there, there was no grounds to carry this investigation open in the first place. It, sh- it shouldn't be there because, you know, there was nothing wrong with him talking to Flynn. I mean, sorry, there's nothing wrong with Flynn talking to the to the ambassador, this Russian ambassador. So it should have been closed out and it was going to be closed out in the first place from the FBI until they got word from Comey to keep it open. 
So I don't know if we mentioned that. I don't know if you heard anything about that. Yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of familiar. It, it speaks to the underlying corruption and yeah. uh, them throwing, I guess, the full repertoire of power of the U.S. government at one person. Even a three-star general can be taken down by you know, the United States government. So somebody that served the government for like 30 or f- 35 years can be targeted and taken down by the same government. And a lot of people don't bat an eye of it. They're like, oh, he's just guilty. You know, his whole career was worthless because he's, he was guilty for lying to the FBI and some stupid technicality or something, right? So, yeah, it, it's, um, it kind of puts things in perspective. It's like if they can go after a deep state guy, a war hero in some respects, right? So this three-star mm-hmm. general, you know, what chance do you and I have if the government really wants to come after us? Yeah, it's very true. It's very uh, movie-esque. It's like some sort of mo- like Hollywood movie. Okay, so I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with the whole uh, remaining, I guess, drama with the fill-in thing and the, you know, Barr and Durham investigation. I mean, are they really going to go after all these people that, um, I guess, were going after Trump, right? Are they going to really reveal what happened under, I guess, the remaining months of the Obama administration? I, I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes for people getting arrested and going to jail because these political animals have a way of protecting themselves, as they always do. And some low-level people may end up going to jail, but I don't know if any of the higher-end, you know, the Comeys or the McCabe's or the uh, J- Clappers, I don't think any of these guys are getting arrested anytime soon, but I- I'm very cynical. What, what do you think about that? No, I never think they're going to ever get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, they. I mean, these people protect themselves, and then they have probably dirt on other people, and they're willing to release that dirt. And those skeletons, if they're ever cornered, is my guess. So anyway, we can get off of Flynn for now because, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. And uh, I kind of want to talk quickly just about Biden because, yeah, this whole thing with Joe Biden is just so weird to me that he's just hiding in his basement. He says he's doing his part to stop the spread of the virus and and he's having like all these technical snafus trying to do these interviews from, you know, whatever the bunker he is in in his house. And it's going horribly. And these interviews, even when the technical factors don't get in the way, Biden gets in the way of himself. I mean, he just can't stop making these verbal errors where he's in the middle of a thought and then he loses himself and he can't bring himself to to start up again. He just kind of stops. It's just, it looks so weak. And I, I don't, you know, I don't have a lot against Biden. I mean, I guess in some respects you can say he's kind of a likable guy, but it, it, is this man truly fit to be president? I, I mean, I think most people would have to say no. It, it's just, it's scary to think that this is the guy that's going to be making like really big decisions for the country and then either on the virus or on China or on other things. And and this is probably one of the last guys you probably want making a decision over what to do with the China threat because his son is so deeply entwined with the, you know, billions of dollars of, uh, of monies uh, with China that 
he, he can't look at that objectively. He can't deal with China the way somebody else could. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I still, I have trouble believing that the, the DNC is going to let this guy actually be the nominee unless their plan is to just replace him last minute or possibly, you know, he's, he's president for a year and then he has to step down for medical reasons and then whoever the VP is takes over and that was mm-hmm. who the DNC wanted to be president all along. I, I don't know. What, I mean, do you have any thoughts on Biden? Well, I think he's having a very hard time right now during this lockout in the social distancing and having to stay six feet away from all the little girls so that he can't sniff their hair and replenish his life force. So it's really taken a toll on him being locked up indoors. But um, besides that, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, he, he does seem really old, you know, and we have talked about you know, candidates being old before and where that's a problem that, you know, back in John McCain, he, you know, we were talking about uh, what will, would he make it through a term with, with Sanders? Would he make it through the term? Trump himself is, is not young, but Joe Biden, it just seems like he's losing it a little bit mentally. And I, I'm not sure if that's because I'm biased, you know, and, and because I am um, right wing and I'm just, you know, I, I'm sort of just saying that. But it, it, to me, it just looks objectively like he's losing his mental, uh, you know, faculties a little bit. But um, I don't know. I don't think it matters because I don't see him having a chance. You know, originally when the virus happened, people thought it would hurt Trump because the, you know, economy's tanking and all that stuff. Stocks are destroyed and all, all kinds of stuff. And that, and that was one of his claims to fame. But um, as we've moved forward... I don't see it hurting Trump. I, I see it hurting Biden specifically because the momentum is just dead. It just the the whole Democrat momentum of, of the of the of that party and and whatever they had going on, it just is completely shot now. And we're just dead in the water. And I don't think anybody really feels any energy towards Biden. He has the lingering, you know, allegations of, of sexual harassment. You know, again, whether they're true or not, it's it's a story. I don't see anything, you know, going his way. I don't, I can't see right now him having a resurgence. I think it's, it's over. And, and that kind of sucks for them, honestly, because the virus, the virus definitely, I think, in, in impacted this, this upcoming election. Right. I, I think what you said about the momentum is really important. Yeah. Whatever momentum Biden had in January and February is completely dead. The, right. I mean, People are, are worried about whether they're going to get food, whether they're going to have toilet paper, you know, where their next paycheck is coming from. A lot, I don't think a lot of people really care all that much about the presidential election right now, right? You, I mean, you got the pundits right. on TV who care, but that's their job to care. And that's their job to make it always sound like this is the most important election of our lifetime and all that bullshit, because it never is, because they say it every single time. Right, but that, that's what—that's their job. They need eyeballs on the screens in order to sell advertising, and that's how they make their living. But for regular, everyday people, I mean, if Biden right now was in charge, would things be terribly different? Probably not, right? I mean, Trump, mm-hmm. Trump is listening to the same people who Biden would be listening to if he were president right now. So, yeah, I, I don't think— um, the whole virus thing and the economic shutdown is going to hurt Trump as much as some people think it's going to at this point. 
And if anything, it is just highlighted the weakness of Joe Biden, that this frail old guy has to hide in his basement, and Trump is out there every single day without a mask, giving these long presser briefings and answering tough questions and firing back. I mean, who looks more presidential? Who looks like they have, who has more energy and who can, you know, carry the the weight of being the leader of the free world on their shoulders? I mean, certainly not Biden, right? Absolutely. The comparison there is huge. And if you don't like Trump and you're a Trump hater, everything you said is just going to go in one ear and out the other. But it's it's just the truth. I mean, Trump looks incredibly strong right now. If you're not if 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 you're not a hater and you're just viewing it objectively, he looks strong. He has an insane amount of energy. I'm 29. I don't have like half the energy he has. He's out there every day for like over an hour sometimes, talking. He's he's not really you know afraid of of you know catching this thing himself. He's battling reporters that are constantly giving him gotcha questions every single day. I mean, he has, yeah, he has ton of energy. If you're sort of in the middle or you were a Trump supporter. I think you're you're liking everything Trump's doing going out there every single day. And if you actually just listen sometimes to him and and don't look at the headline that comes out that tries to pick one sentence of something he said to make him look bad or whatever he said 2 months ago that doesn't, you know, look good now. If you're not doing all that and you just actually listen to him for that whole half hour hour straight, it it comes off extremely well in my opinion. And here's a another thing. It's like how are you going to, as a voter, when you're looking at Biden versus Trump, how are you going to pick Biden over Trump if your main worry is jobs, right, and the economy? Do you actually think Biden is going to be is going to have some sort of advantage over Trump for creating jobs and getting the economy back up and running again? I mean, people. Uh, they they just equated business and jobs with Trump. I mean that's that's like that's his persona. That that that's his modus operandi, right? I mean he he just when you when you look at Trump, you look at success, right? When you look at Biden, you say career politician, never had a real job in his life. He's basically a parasite living off of taxpayer dollars. And what the hell does this guy know about creating jobs now that we have like close to 30 million people out of work. Yeah, no, exactly. I was going to say the same exact thing because it, with the current situation now, it it like I said, it does help Trump. It's not that it doesn't hurt him. It actually helps him because like what you said, now you're dealing with what, what do we do now after this virus goes away? How do we get everything back? How do we start to get back these jobs that we lost? Like who do we want in, at, at president to help recover from this? And I'm sorry if you're if you're Democrat and you hate Trump, but there's more people who are going to be thinking that they feel better with Trump in there after this virus and after we when we can start to recover than they would with Biden. It's just what it's going to be. So you just have to get uh, have to accept it now. Yeah. So you're not uh, as hurt when when it happens. But there's just no chance that uh, Biden beats Trump anymore. Yeah, I mean he's he's the Teflon Don anyway, right? So, mm-hmm. I, and I like to use this point. When people talk about how much they hate Trump and how bad he is, all right. So let's look at the let's look at some facts here. Okay, Donald Trump might not be the richest or the most successful real estate person in the world, but 
he's probably the most well-known, right, reputation-wise. Just people know that name because he sticks it up on every building, right? Okay. He gets into television and has a number one show with unbelievably high ratings for several years, right? The Apprentice. It's a great show. And the very first time this guy decides to get into politics, he's not like, well, I don't, I'm going to be senator or I'll be a governor. No, no, no. He just says, he's like, screw that. I'm going to be the president. The very first time this guy tries and he becomes the president of the freaking United States with no political experience at all. And after this, he survived, what, a three-year investigation and, you know, uh, I guess Obama gate or Ukraine gate or spy gate, whatever gate you want to call it. He survived the whole Mueller thing, right? The yep. whole Russia collusion hoax. And then he survived impeachment. And now he's out there every day giving these pressers. He survived the virus. Yeah. I mean, he's the Teflon Don. He can't be killed. He's, uh, he's like Superman. And I, I don't know what his kryptonite is. I honestly don't know what could possibly bring this guy down at this point. So, again, with the whole momentum thing, I, I just, there's no way. I can't see Trump losing to somebody like a joke like Biden. If you put, right. maybe like you said, like several months ago, maybe if Michelle Obama jumps in, maybe she could give Trump a run for his money. But everybody else, it, it just doesn't make any sense. This guy, it, it seems unbeatable. Yeah, he he really he really is, and and then like I said just before, for our we you know we have a couple thousand liberal listeners, and they're gonna be nauseated about everything you just said there, but the fact is more people view it that way than not. It's just what it is, right? And 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 this is coming from me who doesn't even think he's that great, right? I think he's done some good things, but there are some things I think he's he's sucked on. And for instance, and I didn't mean to make this whole podcast about Trump, but it's like I think he's sucked so far in the wars. Okay, how easy would it be for Trump to be like, look, we're spending so much money here at home to fight this virus and get the economy back uh, restarted. We got to end these wars, and we got to bring our troops home so they can get you know, jobs here at home in the productive part of society. Let's let's bring our troops home, end the wars, and let's really put America first. That's such an easy message to sell to so many millions of people that if Trump wanted to do that, he could do it overnight and bring the troops home and end these endless wars. And then in my mind, he would be one of the greatest presidents ever. But because he hasn't done that yet, he, he could go down as probably a, a literally one of the worst presidents. I mean, he's got the easiest excuse in the world to end these world these wars, and he hasn't done it yet. Okay, everybody, I saved the quick ad reads for the end of the podcast, so you can fast forward right through them if you don't want to hear them. Okay, so number one, if you're going to start a podcast, why not give Captivate FM a try? I use Captivate. I think it's a really great podcast hosting uh, service, very easy to use, really great uh, tech support, and the price is completely right. You can't go wrong. If you are interested in history, like I am, I'm a little bit of a history buff, and every once in a while I'll research a topic. Who do I go to when I want to learn about history? Well, I go to either Tom Woods and Liberty Classroom, or I go to the Brian McClanahan Academy. Okay, so both of these 
are great options for history. Uh, Brian McClanahan only does history. Tom Woods has a bunch of courses in Liberty Classroom on economics, which is great. He also has uh, classes on literature and culture. So, yeah, I mean, these are some great options if you want to kind of just expand your knowledge base and relearn the stuff you were supposed to be taught in those government schools. Okay, guys, thank you for listening, and let's remember to keep those fires of liberty burning bright. <laughs>